Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. With me this week is Mr. Bob Heskey, a multi-award winning filmmaker, screenwriter, producer, casting director, actor, published graphic novelist, and indie comic creator. He lives in the oldest house in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, where he filmed part of Blessed with his wife Angela, two daughters Carly and Emily, and a golden doodle named Teddy. Everyone, please say hello to Bob, and Bob, please say hi back. Hello, everybody. Um, Yeah, if you don't mind, a, a couple quick corrections. I used to live in the second oldest house in Shrewsbury. I uh, I now I moved. I'm in Westminster, and I'm in a house that actually used to be a tea house. Believe it or not, in the 1930s, I am uh, I, I'm divorced a couple of years ago, but I do live with a dog still named Salem. Salem is in. Uh, I I named her after a witch. When I got her, she was an adoptive dog about a year ago. She was called Hilda, and I thought Salem was a much cooler name. So uh, the rest of your stuff is absolutely spot on. But I am in Westminster, Massachusetts now. That's awesome. And those are some pretty good updates. And they're kind of interesting because they probably maybe sort of will come up today. Um, so we have one standard question that we always ask our guests, and that's simply to just say your age, where you grew up, and what generation, if any, you believe you belong to. Uh, I'm 59. Uh, you know, crazily, I'm going to be 60 this year, which, you know, I, the older you get, the faster time goes. The decades go quicker the older you get. So, uh, I'm approaching the big 6-0 this year. I grew up in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. I worked in a place called Old Sturbridge Village when I was a kid, which is where everybody used to go to uh, uh, for field trips when they were in school. It's like a 18th century kind of living, working type of old-fashioned uh, village. And, um, yeah, now I'm in Westminster, Massachusetts. So I stayed in Massachusetts my whole life, but I did go to college in Indiana for four years of it. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. And uh, what generation do you consider yourself a member of? Yeah, definitely boomers. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely falling there. I mean, I probably have some uh, Gen X traits, but uh, I, I think I'm firmly settled in the boomers right now. Cool. Awesome. Well, that was a good get to know you. And uh, every episode's different, but with you, I definitely got the feeling that I should just straight up ask you, what do you believe happens to you when you die? And I mean specifically you, Bob Heskey. Well, I have to tell you, I... Uh, before I started on this journey of doing a podcast and I actually made a, a movie, a documentary uh, three or four years ago, the first time you lose someone in your family is when you're really kind of slapped in the face with mortality. And that happened when my mother had dementia and then she passed around 2000, uh, 2013. And up until that point, you know, I kind of looked at life in tunnel vision. I, I liked the paranormal, but I never thought I had any experiences and when my mom passed, there wasn't that, you know, magic moment. I mean, she struggled the whole last week, struggled for every breath. She wasn't eating any food. She had dementia, barely, rec- you know, really didn't recognize us. And she kind of passed quietly once everybody was out of the, was out of the room. So it kind of left me cold. So I, I actually had, I had made a film called Blessed, uh, a, a, a drama. And I had a friend, the director who worked in, who bought a place in Salem, a kind of a curiosity place called uh, the Magic Parlor. And uh, through him, I had some connections. I said, you know what, I think I will work with my connections and kind of reach out to people that look at life through uh, kind of a third lens and see things that I don't and kind of maybe get some hope for an afterlife. And so that's where I started this whole journey on making, you know, I made a movie, a documentary called Afraid of Nothing. 
And then I did the podcast once COVID hit. And I think my, uh, my view of what happens after we die has been shaped somewhat. I, I have had a couple paranormal experiences since then, which is cool. So I definitely have high hopes because I talk to a lot of people that probably most of them do believe in an afterlife. And they have some, you know, proof to show for it. And they're kind of respectable, smart people. So it gives me hope. But I think like everybody else, there's that tinge of doubt. And and the reason I have a podcast called Afraid of Nothing is I think a lot of us are afraid that, you know, one of your prior guests, Mark Borger, said that, you know, once the uh, we die, the power switch goes off and that's it. And I think that freaks a lot of people out. And, uh, you know, so my journey is to find out, is there something else? And so right now I'm more in the camp that there is something else versus there isn't something else. And and do you picture that? Do you think about that? Like, how do you, how would you explain what that is? You know, it's funny. My next guest that I'm going to have on my podcast is a guy called the psychic lawyer. His name is Mark Anthony. And he's been like on a, um, uh, he's been on a, a bunch of shows like Dr. Oz and, you know, you know, coast to coast and all that. And he's written this book called the afterlife frequency, which I think kind of sums it up is that, you know, most people think our mind, like our consciousness exists in our mind. And once, you know, the synapses start firing, we're, we're done, right? But really, if you think of the mind as more like a transmitter, like a, like a radio station, and we're only picking up a certain frequency, a couple, you know, a certain small band of frequencies here on the, on the earth plane. But there's a lot more frequencies that we're not picking up, right? So uh, Mark Anthony believes that there's a higher frequency for the afterlife that we, we, you know, we're all energy. Energy doesn't, you know, isn't created. It doesn't, doesn't, you know, doesn't cease to exist. It just is transformed to other places. So I think the thought is that we go on to a higher level at a higher frequency. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm falling. I, I'll tell you, I've, I've had over 70 episodes and the more people I talk to in the paranormal, the more questions I have, because you get all these different viewpoints of what happens. And, you know, each person brings something that gives you, they tell you something that sounds kind of interesting or, or that you would have faith in or find comfort in, but, you know, packaging the whole thing together is going to be difficult. So uh, I'm very excited what my next guest has to say, but uh, right now I, I kind of believe when we die, you know, hopefully that there is a kind of higher frequency and we go to a certain level where we just hear, like we're on Earth, where we pick up certain things around us, we will pick up things at a higher, higher level. That's cool. And so I think the thing I would most like to know of your opinion of this is, is it you who goes to that higher frequency or is it a part of you or are you a part of that? So I, I'm giving you three options. And if you have a fourth, please, please, please give me that. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's like... um I think it's you, but it's part of you. Think of you as right now you're you're sitting maybe in a room in a house with people and you have that immediate surroundings and around there is a town where you may know those people and maybe in the state you have your families, but you don't know anybody but there's a whole lot of stuff as that circle gets bigger and bigger around you, you know, you know, across the country and, and you know, across the, the ocean and stuff, it gets bigger and bigger stuff you're not even aware of. I think what happens after you die is you still have a you still have you but you have a greater awareness of everything else going on around you. So you don't think that uh, – because a popular belief within the belief of yours is like that there's a soul and then there's like a human. And some people think the soul is in the human and other people think the human is dangling on like puppet strings from the soul. But you're more of a cohesive like 
this is me, I am that, and I'm a part of a larger community, and now I'm going to be able to like see the larger community. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what I'd, I'd like to believe. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I, I think part of me thinks, you know, like the afterlife frequency. I don't think there's one frequency that our souls go to. I think people go to different levels. It's like a whole band of the afterlife, but within that, there's different levels, higher and lower levels, depending on what where you are in your journey that you go to. You know, if that's you know, like my my aspirational aspirational vision. So I think, you know, that there's different levels. I think people can go to different levels based on where they are in their journey as a soul. I do think the soul or consciousness is something inside of you versus I think, you know, uh, I think consciousness came before like physical reality. I think things have to be observed for them to become reality. I think like in quantum physics, there's all these different things out there. There, there are things that could happen, but once you lock onto one and you observe it, that becomes your reality. And then onto the next thing and then onto the next thing, you know, um, one other, one other point I want to make is that I don't know if you've ever felt this, but you know, some people are really attuned to their bodies. I'm, I'm kind of a little bit uncoordinated. And so I've tried sports and really have been never better than average if, at best, you know, some things I'm okay, but really I just haven't conquered it. So I've always felt like, you know, this, this person looking out of a body, but I always felt like inside of me was you know something that's kind of driving this this body that i'm I, i'm in you know so the body was always somewhat a little bit alien to me my entire life i'm aware of it but i mean right now i'm talking to you and i'm i'm, I'm sitting down in the chair and i'm looking through my eyes and the rods in the back of my my head are like you know assimilating the colors and they're giving me symbols like on your computer's desktop of what you should relate to and what you see and that's what you're creating you know so i, I just i'm kind of going on on it but i really think you know um, I think consciousness is really something in us. And then we, we, once we're done here, we move on to something else. No, that, that is truly great. And I'm like giggling in the background because this is why I started the podcast is I want to hear exactly this kind of stuff. This is the entire point for me is it's just fascinating to me that we each learn about like your example, rods in the back of our eyes. And then everyone like processes that very differently. Some people are like, oh, that's a scientific fact. Others are like, well, that's what you say, but my mental opinion's this, you know, and there's all these hybrids. And so it's fascinating to hear how you experience that. I'm actually very similar. I, uh, my body is something I like reluctantly control and like operate with, but I'm like much more in my head all the time. Um, I don't like walk into walls and stuff, but yeah, um, that's, that's fascinating. And actually it does connect to the question I wanted to ask you when you mentioned that there's not just one frequency that we don't all just go to this next frequency. Well, so is, is earth reality, this plane a frequency? And if so, is it a low, a high? And I don't mean like in terms of music or like, you know, graphs, I just mean like, is it a, is there a hierarchy? Is there a, like a goodness and inherent like pleasantness or hierarchy to these frequencies? Well, I guess there's a couple of ways to look at it, right? It's your existence on earth, which is definitely a lower frequency because you only pick up a certain amount of stuff that's around you, right? But really all around earth and all around you is probably a, a ton of stuff, you know, that are, are that you can't see. Like, for example, I'll, I'll throw out a crazy thing. Like, I, I've interviewed people, and I'm about to interview a, a guy again that's on Expedition Bigfoot. He's starting season three, and it's like, you know, he saw Bigfoot once, and then it, like, disappeared, you know? And, and people are like, wait a minute, I, you see this huge hairy beast, and then it's, like, gone as if, it, if, it's, if it's a time slip or something, you know? So I think to answer your question, I think as humans, we vibrate on a lower level so we can experience material things and get lessons on Earth. But around Earth and all around us are just many different frequencies that we don't even pick up on. Wonderful. That's a great answer. Um, I'm, I'm really appreciating your articulative abilities for all this because 
these concepts are not like universal and but I feel like a real connection and you're explaining them so well that I'm positive you and I have had the same internal thoughts before about some of these things. So that's, that's really fascinating for me. And the Bigfoot thing is just blows my mind only because, uh, as a kid, like I got all these, um, I'm 40 by the way. So we're, uh, just to give you perspective and I just turned 40. So I understand the, you're about to turn 60 kind of, Oh, this is a monumental time in my life. Um, and, uh, when I was a kid, we would get these like National Geographic like special books about like UFOs and Bigfoot and all that stuff and so I was always fascinated with these things and as I get older I often wonder like why some people ridicule it and why some people take it seriously so as a, a host of a podcast I'm just curious do you accept like any person with any kind of interesting thing for it or do you have like if you thought this person was lying would you not interview them? Well you know I, I tend not to be too combative on, on when I interview people um, I think that's probably your style too I mean, I, I think for the most part, I uh, I do research. A lot of times I find my guests because I listen to a lot of podcasts and I hear someone I think that's interesting and I, I want them on my show. Every once in a while, I'll get people that reach out to me and they've written a book and they want to you know, promote it and they have a theory that they want to talk about and I'll let them on. Um, same thing with the movie that I made. There were a, a range of different people that I had in my documentary and some were believable and some people may scoff at, you know, but it's... Uh, it's really what I try to do is I guess when I have them on my podcast is I give them the benefit of the doubt. I let them tell their story and their perspective. I may not totally believe it, but, uh, you know, I mean, I want to give them the chance to tell them their story. I invite them on the podcast, so I might as well let them share their perspective. Now, if they go totally off the reels, I may question them on it, you know, and say, you know, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean by that? You know, but uh, not too often. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was very interesting, and, and it kind of brings me back to something else I wanted to ask you about, which is you talked about like coming here and learning lessons, and that's like a very popular but not always uh, consistent response from people I've interviewed on the show and off the show. Um, so that connects to kind of the other purpose of this podcast, which is how is this affecting our morality? So since we're talking about lying, what do you what do you think about lying in general? Like, what uh, is lying? wrong is there a wrongness on earth and if so how does that connect to your philosophy well i mean i think everybody is trying to find the truth right you, you what channel do you watch to find what's happening in the news or do you just ch shut the news off how do you find truth what actually is going on is there a shadow government i mean who actually is running the u.s government i mean why do wars happen i mean what's the real reason is it for oil why do we attack iran you know i think it's not just lying i think it's the i think I think there, there are lies all around us. It's how do you find the truth? And I think that might be one of the lessons. And I don't know if I'm any better at it than I was like 30, 40 years ago. I, I, if you're going to ask me what did I learn, I mean, I probably learned humility and I learned, you know, maybe to be kinder and to, um, in the podcasting, same with you, is to be a better listener and to, to meet people and to, to you know, to, to have good conversations and, and find enjoyment and education in that. But I, I, I really, man, I, I look at the world today and I, I have a hard time discerning what is truth, you know? So I think lies are all around us. So I just, the matter of what it is, <laughs> you know? And, and is there a moral order to it? Um, because you did a great job explaining it. And I actually agree with you. You kind of, you didn't blow my mind, but I definitely have not uh, cohesively figured that part out as well as you just stated it. So I, I do appreciate that answer a lot, but is there a morality to it? Like if you knowingly lie, is that like, wrong in a universal sense um you know i'm gonna dance a little bit around the, you know full disclosure i'll dance a little bit around because 
think of when you're born, right? You're born. You're totally, you're totally optimistic. You believe in Santa Claus, and then you find out that that's not real, and then the Easter Bunny's not real, and then you know you find out that people that people die. And so that this life isn't even real. And then later on, you may have a bad relationship and she cheats on you and you're, you know, is love even real, you know? So there's all these things about finding realness, you know, that it, I think we have is a challenge for us. So I, I think the lies, just like, you know, the bad people that you come across in life. I mean, I guess, I guess you learn a lesson from them, even though you still hate them and you, you wish they weren't in your life. So I guess it's part of shaping you and being able to have you have a greater appreciation of what is real, what is genuine, what is true, which probably is like your past guest. I'll bring him up again. Mark Borger. It's very funny. You said he, he started life with diabetes and then you ended your show on a positive note where he found the love of his life and he had, he had the guts to go up and talk to her and he's been with her all this time. And, you know, that's probably why he's happy. If life ends, you know, he mission accomplished. He checked the box, you know, he, he, he got what he wanted out of it. So I think that's finding that. I think kind of the, the lies and all that aspect, if it gets you to finding truth and recognizing truth, and maybe within that experiencing love, man, that's that's kind of probably what you want to get at the end of this. Wow, that's really cool. I really like that. Um, so I, I hope this is not too personal, but you did mention it when you corrected my bio, and uh, I'll just throw it out there to make you feel better before I ask the question. I also went through a divorce about five years ago, um, I'm curious if you're willing to talk about it. Yeah, no, or, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, go ahead. So how did that like work for you as far as, and I'm kind of trying to stick to like your answers, um, with this learning lessons thing, like, did it feel immediately and then also during and especially after as if it was like a spiritual learning experience for you? Um, I've been divorced twice, so I'm really bad at this whole marriage relationship thing. I, I have a, I have a father who, who found my mother, uh, you know, went up to her at a, at a dance and said, I'm your partner. And, and she thought it was for the dance and he meant for life. And they were together 60 years. And when she passed of dementia, I mean, he was literally a mess, you know, when she, she passed, but he's lived on like another 10 years. He's been able to survive. Sometimes people don't survive, you know? So he, he had that. I think what I've learned about my, uh, my failures in relationships, it's very funny. One of the guests I had on a couple episodes ago was a guy named William Stillman, who is, uh, a very renowned psychic, uh, he's about an hour from Gettysburg. He's also an expert on autism. He wrote a bunch of books on autism. He's known as the autistic whisperer. And so he grew up, you know, kind of on, I think he had Asperger's and he grew up an outsider and people picked on him and he had all this bad stuff. And then he actually went to the dark side a little bit. You know, he actually had connections to the dark side and then he came out of it. And, you know, by the time he was 40, he reemerged as this teacher type of person. And so on this podcast, I, I have a co-host named Kyle Carvin. And so Kyle's kind of like the polar opposite. He's this exceptionally good-looking guy. He's about, he's about your age. He's 40. He's an actor. He's very – he's athletic, and he's like – he's a big in. He's in shape, and he does all – but he's a really cool guy, and he was in my documentary. And we both asked because we both thought we had we – had, I have a, one of my daughters is autistic. And so we both thought, you know, his girlfriend, when they watched the show on Netflix, I forget what it was about. It's about an autistic kid. And his girlfriend would say, well, you have some of those traits. And he actually went online and found out that he was on the high end. Right. And then so on the show, we asked this guy, William Stillman, and he said basically to me, said, well, Bob, I'll be as gentle as I can. But, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Your daughter usually comes from the father. Eighty percent chance it comes from the father. So you probably have some mild you know, parts of autism. 
Now, what I mean for this whole roundabout thing I've just given you is autistic people have a hard time picking up cues and having relationships. You know, we're very good at like doing stuff. I don't know if I'm totally autistic. I, I think I'm on the kind of cusp of it. But I, I think maybe somewhere within me, there is this problem with uh, having relationships because I'm kind of introverted, kind of in myself, in my head. And I think when it comes to divorces, probably more my fault than theirs, you know. Um, so, you know. Not that we didn't, you know, and not that I didn't have a fun time dating and I haven't had a, a girlfriends in my life and all that stuff. But I, I think probably that aspect might be more on me than on them, to be honest. Yeah, interesting. And um, it's, it, yeah, it's it's just very interesting. You speak like a person who's experienced a long life and that a fulfilling life. And it's like, you have this energy as if you're very, very, very young, but then you have this like wisdom and precision of articulation like you're at, old's the wrong word, but like aged, learned, and so it's cool. Like you have a very like interesting dynamic going on. I, I'm positive you've heard this before from someone else, but um, but it's it's fascinating because you're kind of like you seem to be okay with the shit storm that can come <laughs> come in and out of life, but then you also still seem to have like the optimism and joy that you need to keep participating. And since you mentioned it, it's really cool to hear that your dad uh, survive that because I do, I, I do read a lot about, it. I used to work in hospice and like, it's very sad that, um, that that happens a lot. So I, I wonder if you inherited that like vitality from your father. Yeah. I don't know. He, he has a great kind of mindset, you know, he just kind of, he accepts who he is and he's confident in it. And that's kind of what I really like about my autistic daughter. I have two daughters. Carly is the oldest one. She's a great big sister to Emily Emily's autistic, and I think she's like mild, probably on it. So she's she does well. Just social, you know. Sometimes social interaction is a little awkward, but very well liked, you know, at school and stuff. But she loves who she is as a person, and she's very comfortable, and she gets over things. And you know, I, I wish I had that. <laughs> you know, in many ways, more than more than my father, my my youngest daughter, who can just get over stuff and be happy with who she is. And, you know, she doesn't wake up depressed any day. She just every day she looks forward to it and she does her thing and she's happy being in the now. And I just, man, I really wish I could I could do that more like like she's done. I think I think she's an old soul that hopefully I can learn from. So since you mentioned that, you know, she's probably an old soul and you have a lot to learn from her, that the implication of that is that souls live many lives. And so I'm curious if you feel that like in this lifetime, as a human, your daughters and your parents are the most immediately close people to you by biological law. But is it possible that a different soul, like a best friend, could actually be more significant in the longer term picture than like your own child? Or do you think there's a true hierarchy also with the biology? Yeah, no, I, I think so. Look, I mean, some people will tell you that when someone passes, their mother will be there. But some people don't have good relationships with their mom. You know, they have maybe they have an aunt or a grandmother that they have a great relationship with. So I think people have different relationships with people during their lives. So, and, and if there is such a thing as reincarnation, you know, maybe they have different roles in, in every lifetime. So, yeah, I think that can be, I think it can vary. Sometimes it's the love of your life that you can't live without. That's your main soulmate and that's your main focus. Other times it may be a favorite child, you know, or, or it could be a, a, a grandparent that really taught you something that maybe your parents didn't. So I think that can, that can change. And I'd also like to say one person asked me something on one show about reincarnation. If you don't mind, I'll throw it out. Um, the, the question was, you know, do you believe in reincarnation? That's another thing I'm kind of on the fence of, but I, I, I think certainly that there's probably more than one, one lifetime. 
And then the person said, well, how can there, you know, be like, you know, six or seven billion people now and only like 100,000, 5,000 years ago, how can we, how can we reincarnate if we keep multiplying so much? And my answer to that was, well, that's if you only limit yourself to Earth and this, in this planet. If you go beyond Earth to the whole universe, to all the planets, to all the universes, there's many opportunities for multiple souls beyond in this plane. But if people that don't believe in reincarnation just limit it to, they do the math based on just the existence on Earth. But if you go beyond Earth into all the galaxies and universes and planets and all the life forms out there, I think there's, uh, you know, the math will fall into place. Awesome. Bob, I, I got to say, you're really fascinating and you're so fun to talk to. But I really just wanted to mention right now at this point in the interview that like you're just very interesting and you have a calming effect. You help me feel calmer about things I already see. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of you and what you're doing. You do see all these like frequencies and you already discussed quantum mechanics, which is one of my favorite pastimes to confuse the hell out of myself with. Um, and I'm obsessed with psychics. I'm a novelist and my next novel that's coming out is about psychics. Obsessed with doesn't mean I believe in it. I'm just curious, what is your take on psychics? Um, I, I've met several, and, and look, and I've I had a horrible experience with one in Gettysburg where I wanted to. My oldest daughter Carly was going into high school, and she was a little nervous, you know, and I wanted her to have a reading, and it was like a reading, like you know, two questions for ten bucks. And the psychic was very cold. She was like, "No, you can't be in the reading with her. You can't even be in the building. Be outside." <laughs> and it's like. So my daughter, you know, she was very tight-lipped when she came out, but she later told my ex-wife who called me, and it was like she asked two questions, and she got kind of a quick yes. And then my daughter asked, am I going to find, you know, the love of my life or have my soulmate? And she said no and walked out and left her there. <laughs> Just like, what? You you witch. You know, horrible. And, you know, and this is, a, you know, unfortunately, uh, my daughter talked to my, uh, my ex-wife and talked to me, and she got over it, and so... There are some really horrible psychics out there, but there are some really good ones that I've met as well. And I think, you know, um, with the guy I have coming up, Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, and if you like books, I would read his book. I'd also recommend that you read uh, Biocentrism. That's a very cool book. Uh, I had that kind of the first version of that, that the whole concept was in my documentary. Um, but check that out. It's actually three versions of it. It's called Biocentrism, uh, but it's really cool. It's well-written. I think you'll be able to get your head around it and enjoy it, you know? Um, so, but yeah, I, I think psychics, I think they're, they're good and bad ones, just like they're good and bad people. And, but I definitely think it is a skill out there and that the, the good ones are legit. Very cool. Well, Bob Heskey, I always give my guests a floor at the end of the interview. So you do have the floor. I would love to just hear anything you want to tell all the listeners and the internet in general. Sure. Uh, well, Mike, thank you very much for having me. I mean, you have a very cool show. I really appreciate it. I had a chance to listen to a couple it's a very easy listen. So if people listen to this the first time, they should. I recommend they go binge, you know, and, and listen to more. Uh, you're a very good interview, and I really appreciate, you know, how comfortable you made me feel, and and how you know you're very supportive. So thank you. I think my message to people was, we're all depressed. I go through depression too, right? So every day you wake up, and it's like, oh God, what's is there something I'm going to learn out of it? And I, you know, it's kind of the same thing you hear. I mean, try to be in the present as much as possible, and try to find stuff that you enjoy, and and be nice to each other because. You know, at the end of the day, um, the, the kinder you are to people, the better your life is. So I would I would ask people just to try to be more patient and be kinder to people. And then to be a selfish marketer, I would say, check out my podcast at the afraid of nothing podcast.com. I think there's like, a, you know, there's like a buffet of choices to look at. Maybe you'll find something that can that can help you in your journey. So 
uh, I would leave it at that. That was awesome, Bob. Thank you so much. And of course, the links to that will be in the bio. So you can click that if you're listening right now. And thank you for the plug. We might actually use that in our advertising. But most of all, thank you for helping us put another nail in the coffin. I really appreciate everything you did for us today. And for everyone who's at home listening, I am Mike Oppenheim. You have been listening to Coffin Talk. And we will see you soon. And I'm walking alone.